Episode two. Shawnee, welcome back. Hello, hello. I watched two Adam Sandler movies uh, over the weekend, Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore. Billy Madison holds up. Happy Gilmore does not. I disagree. I think they both are legendary. Billy Madison. They will always hold up. Billy Madison is, it's so bizarre. I bet if it was like. It, it, it is super. Like the singing, he like the penguin. Stuff. It's insane. It's like he's doing it to be movie. funny, but I think that if it came out like today, it would get taken as something else. Like it could yeah. be a totally different movie. Yeah, I agree. I think it would too. Could you, like imagine if you just watch that movie on, on mute. Like <laughs> it's just like an adult man in, in school. He's seeing a penguin. I don't know. I feel like these kids with the memes might get it because the memes are so out there. It's so crazy. It's true. It's just such a... But I don't know. It was. I think it definitely would be something different, like you said. It'd be taken so differently. I I never really realized how just how bizarre it was. Like, he just hears music and, like, stands on the stairs, and then they have that whole, like, like marching thing. (laughs) And still... Probably, like, I, I, I honestly haven't seen the movie in so long, and there's that scene where, I mean, there's a lot of quotable lines, but this one, it's one of the funniest lines ever in a movie, and there, it's when him, Norm MacDonald, and the, the other buddy are, like, sitting outside the burger place, and Norm MacDonald's just like, who'd you rather bone, Meg Ryan or Jack Nicholson? And he's like, Nicholson now or 1974? And Norm, like, thinks about it, and he's like, 74. And then after, it's just like, Meg Ryan. And then they just, like, get off the topic. Yeah, throw the pickles at <laughs> <It's>, the window. <laughs> Oh my god, it never fails to amuse me. And then uh Ben Stiller, I forgot about him and Happy Gilmore, oh, how funny he was. Great, yep. And then Happy Gilmore is just a long commercial for Subway. It really is. When they got rid of that Jarrett yeah. guy, they should have just brought Adam Sandler. That's true. That would have been awesome. <laughs> but anyway, it got me it got me to thinking. Um Adam Sandler has obviously he he produces and, and writes a lot of his movies. He's given himself some 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 very desirable uh, uh, lady friends in, in basically all of his films. He's just so far out of his league. It's 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 incredible. So so I came up with, and, and you're not you're not going to agree with this. There's going to be one that I'm leaving out that you're not going to be happy with. Maybe two. How I have a question. How yes. big of a role do you think he plays at all, if at all, in the casting of these women? Do you think he handpicks them? He um, definitely like picked like Drew Barrymore in like his later terrible. Obviously, movies, he gets right? along with her. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I would imagine if he's producing, he probably has final say on, on a lot of them. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. There, there are similarities between some of them. I, it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What I do know is, is the top, my, my, my top five, and, and I don't have these in order. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to put these top five, in my opinion, in order of one through five, best, best, uh, romantic partner for counterpart for, Adam Sandler. So the obvious one is Veronica Vaughn. And there's another thing I noticed that, that I'll you'll pick up on in a second. Uh, so his first two movies, Veronica Vaughn was played by Bridget Wilson, now Bridget Wilson Sampras. I assume she married As tennis. I assume. <laughs> unless there's just another Sampras. But I assume that he saw her in that movie and was just like, all right, I'm Pete Sampras <laughs> in 1994, so I can have whatever I want now. Adam Sandler always says, when him and Jimmy Kimmel like, first met, one of the first things Jimmy Kimmel ever said to him was like, "You look like a retarded Pete Sampras." <laughs> <laughs> and if you look at Adam Carolla and and uh, Pete Sampras together, they they kind of do. Oh, uh, so Veronica Vaughn, Bridget Wilson Sampras from the movie Billy Madison, and then Happy Gilmore's second movie. The love interest name is Virginia Venet VV. They're both VV. Right. I, I don't know why. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's played played by Modern Family's Julie Bowen, and the film is Happy Gilmore. 
uh, Julia Sullivan, Drew Barrymore, and the Wedding Singer, their first uh, their first romantic encounter together. Julia Gulia. Uh, another another alliterative for uh, name, Bay Bennett, played by Winona Ryder, and Mr. Deeds. That one may be a little bit under the radar. <laughs> right. Uh, and then and then lastly in my, in my top five, and there was some other competition. Um, <laughs> I, I can tell you're not gonna be happy. Uh, Layla Maloney, played by Joey Lauren Adams in Big Daddy. Okay. You've seen all the performances. Is is there any that you would have had on here that I that I left out? Any any ones that you would have switched? I didn't even think of Big Daddy at all. Um, that, that's it. That's there's it. Yeah. First, there's first three absolutely I yes would have chosen. Um, would you have gone Vicky Valancourt? Another VV? Oh, for whatever yeah, reason, I probably would have ended up going there. I can't yeah. remember the act. The actress had a weird name who played her, and she's done like nothing since. But I guess neither is Bridget Wilson Sampras. So. History X. <laughs> She's a oh yeah. girlfriend. Oh yeah, you're right. Wow. The exact same that's, character. Too. <laughs> <laughs> talk about being typecast. Um, uh, the other one, I, I considered it. Uh, it doesn't have a last name, but the character's name is Laura. Um, in Funny People, played by uh, uh, yeah. what's what's her name? Uh, Judd Apatow's wife, Leslie Mann. Leslie Mann. Yeah. That was that's kind of a good one, an interesting one. Yeah, she's good. But but I think that the top the top two are, are staples. Drew Barrymore as Julia. Wedding singer's got to be in there. Uh, Bay Bennett, Winona Ryder. That's a good one. Deeds is under Mr. Deeds is an underrated movie. When you said that, I thought in my head like she's the one. <laughs> so stupid. I thought like she's the one woman that is like smarter than his characters in all the movies and like above his characters in all the movies. But that's so absolutely wrong. Uh, they all are. He's so, yeah, he's <laughs> such an like... idiot in every movie. They're all smarter than him. <laughs> and they all have like I like think... really good jobs. I think. Yeah, yeah. I would say, well, actually, I feel like she has like a lot. The of... wedding singer is one where they're kind of on the same playing field because she's, yeah. she's a waitress. He's a wedding singer. Um, I would say Joey Lauren Adams' character in Big Daddy is, uh, you know, Kevin Smith dated Joey Lauren Adams for like a couple years, like around <laughs> no. chasing Amy. Doesn't, doesn't that just make you sick? <laughs> like, I really, I like, I like Kevin Smith a lot, but it makes me sick for some reason. <laughs> chasing Amy is a good movie. Check that out if you haven't seen it. But anyway. Um, yeah, she's like the lawyer and is like working with them. But I guess he becomes a lawyer at the end of that too. So right. because that's just how it works. <laughs> he just like <laughs> you got to suspend disbelief. But all right, enough enough nonsense. You have you have the five. I'll give them to you one more time. Veronica Vaughn, uh, Billy Madison, Virginia mm-hmm. Bennett, Happy Gilmore, Julia Sullivan, The Wedding Singer, Babe Bennett, Mister Deeds, and Layla Maloney, Big Daddy. Uh, start at five. Give me five through one. So five being the least. Yeah, the least okay. least um, uh, of your your favorites. Yeah, I think it's gonna have to be uh, probably Maloney for me. Okay, okay. See, I, 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 I liked her. Her sister played by Leslie Mann. Hooters, Hooters, Hooters. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go near the frozen food section. Your boobs are hardened. Yeah, it's, um, I think the comedy went went down. <laughs> big, big Daddy gets to like like the second act of Big Daddy is like the saddest thing you've ever seen. <laughs> it's like the worst thing ever. That's the one thing that changed in his movies. He got like like the movie Click. Like it's really sad, like really depressing stuff. Yeah. Instead of uh, just nonsense straight through, like uh, um, Billy Madison and Happy Happy Gilmore. Yeah. All right. Um. All right. So Layla's five. Yeah. Four. So number four. Dude, it's gonna like end up being how you listed them. Um. <laughs> tight race between Babe. You know, I'm gonna. <sighs> babe, tight race between Babe and who? And. Julia Gulia. Really? I thought for sure she would have been number one. Julia Gulia? She would have been my number one, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, 
I think that's the most plausible of all the scenarios. It's get, yeah. <laughs> 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 that's true. Yeah. Um, but, Actually, you know what? Yeah, you're right. You're right. All right. So it's going to go. <laughs> All right. Babe is number four. Let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Babe is number four. Um, okay. Then. Oh, my God. Why is this so difficult for me? It's tough. This is, this, these, are, these, are the, these are the important questions. This is what you got to ask. What'd you say your name was? Virginia Bennett? Virginia Bennett. I thought it was Bennett. Everyone did. It's Bennett. <laughs> Yeah, because I thought that too, and then okay. I noticed that, wait, another VV. She's going to be number three. Okay. Julia Gulia, number two, then Veronica Vaughn, yeah. always number one for the, me. The, the one, th- I mean, the Julia Gulia is that, that is just like the sweetest one, and she's like probably the nicest of all of them. Veronica Vaughn's definitely the hottest, and the scene where like he, 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 he they they frame him, Spo- spoiler alert, <laughs> he's he's framed. <laughs> That he that he paid somebody off to get good grades and I don't I don't, I don't even know. Also, another very funny part is when they're like watching the news. Okay, and it's like the revolting blob, like yeah, yeah, yeah. selling them out. <laughs> and Norm Macdonald's like, hold on, hold on, it might be somebody else. <laughs> I, I, I want to believe that those are like Norm Macdonald just ad libs, <laughs> yeah. but but pro- probably not. Um, he's there for the paycheck, <laughs> no doubt. Uh, when he so when he gets drunk, like actually right after that scene, he gets drunk and then. He like goes to her house, and he just <laughs> he's like wasted. And he just sees the penguin again, like on the banister. And he's, <laughs> it's like it, it, it's oh. stupid, but what makes it funny is the penguin is holding. He's holding just a, a cocktail. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry to interrupt. <laughs> God, like that. I don't know why that's uh, funny. That voice. Yeah, I don't know either. So weird. All right, so so just to just to <laughs> recap the official ranking of of Adam Sandler love interest. Uh, five, Layla Maloney. Four, Bay Bennett. Three, Virginia Bennett. Two, Julia Gulia slash Julia Sullivan. And number one, Veronica Vaughn. No surprises there. That Veronica Vaughn. Chris <laughs> <laughs> Farley's really funny, that too. He's great. That had to be towards his death because he just looks like hell, that whole movie. Like, he just looks terrible. <laughs> oh, man. I, 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 what? <laughs> what, too soon? Do you, <laughs> <laughs> it's like nine, nine, 1996. Do you, know, do you know the year of Billy Madison? I feel like it was like early, like 94. I think it, when Farley died in 1998. Like oh, really? I could. I, have no I know his last movie and another underrated movie with Norm MacDonald, uh, Dirty Work, with him and Hardy Lang. Didn't see it. <laughs> Chris Farley's in that, and Norm is like, he, Chris Farley doesn't have a nose because a Saigon whore bit his nose off. <laughs> like, that's a joke of the movie. Oh, God. And uh, there's a scene That where, like, one would not work. There, there's, there's just, like, I don't know, let me look up Billy Madison here, but you know Chris Farley just was kind of on a different level comedically because could do, like, everyone knows him for the falling down and the big, like, loud yep. kind of stuff. But just, like, his comedic <laughs> timing is so funny. Uh, Madison was 95. Wow. So he okay. was like, he had, he had another three solid years left. Um, there's just a scene where Norm is like really down on his luck and he's like sitting in a bar and Chris Farley's next to him at the bar. And uh, he's explaining like, oh man, I don't have anywhere to live. Or, Chris Farley's character is like, look, if there is anything I can do, anything at all, you just tell me. And Norm McDonald's like, can I stay at your place? And he's like, well, here's the thing. And it just, <laughs> it's so funny. And then he like goes into the story about like... <laughs> He's like, he's like, I got, I got a roommate, old Jack, and he just like talks about this guy. It's, it's funny. Dirty Work is an underrated movie. Artie's uh, Artie's like a lead in it. It's like Norman Artie. Yeah, he's like a sidekick. When Norm did um, 
when Norm did, like, it's called the Norm McDonald show. Artie Lang was, like, his neighbor, like, his, his buddy. They're both – Norm is, like, a huge gambling addict, as as is Artie, obviously. Right. Um, so I think that's why they got along. But the, the premise of the, of the uh, movie is um, Norm's uh, father – or no, maybe it's Artie's father. One of their fathers needs, like, some medical procedure – and they're both just kind of like schlubs and they like work in a movie theater. Right. And it's uh, there's a part in it where Don Rickles is in it and he's like the manager of the theater. And he calls Artie a baby, a baby gorilla. And, <laughs> and I, he's just like, there was no script. They just kind of, Bob Sackett directed the film. So, yeah. you know, you know, it's a oh, good Jesus. stuff. But uh, um, it's actually in Wilson's old basement. If you, <laughs> if you want to go find it, that's, that's where I left my copy of it. Break in down yeah. there real quick. <laughs> um, and uh, Artie like always talks about how like he had to do it thirty times because he couldn't stop laughing at Baby Gorilla. <laughs> uh, but they start this revenge for hire business. So if somebody like wants to get revenge on a person, then Norm and Artie will will do it for you. It's it's pretty stupid. But uh, Adam Sandler actually has a cameo in it too. Nice. So yeah, check that out. Maybe that'll be my recommendation at the end of the uh, at the end of the show. There but you go. but before we get there, uh, today's topic we're going to talk about the best opening scenes in film history. Except mine goes back. To about 1993, so actually 99, not too far back. But uh, we will we will get there in one second. We are back. The main topic that we wanted to focus on this week are the top five, or in Joe's case, I believe he has seven, something like that. I have five uh, opening. I can, I can dig deep for seven. He can, <laughs> he's gonna dig. Um, opening movie scenes. Um. So yeah, you want to kick this off, or should I? Well, you you go first. I want I want I want to see what you, see what okay. you brought. Well, actually, last week we like teased the topic, and you said you had your number one ready. Yes, I do. Have you and been you able said, to determine? You said what I was going to guess it immediately. I couldn't think of it, and I you were right. I did like right when I got to my car. I think I have it. Can you you, you, you want to do that one first? Should we just do this? Yeah, because yeah, it's, it. it's the greatest. All right, on what? three, ready? One. Two, three, and glorious bastards! Right? <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, a, a couple things. It's, Sorry, everybody. It, it's your ears are now bleeding. In the theater, like yeah. I, I made a mental note, or maybe I even said yeah. it to somebody. Like this is the best opening of a movie mm-hmm. ever, and it does a couple things. First off, Tarantino is smarter than all of us, so he understands that Christoph Waltz is going to win an Oscar. He, he just knows that going into it because he knows the role and he knows the kind of actor he is. Yep. So he introduces him. The other guy, his name's Denis Minochet. I assume he's just a French actor, but he's great in the scene. Awesome. It, it's so well directed from just every like, <laughs> like obviously the, the the thing that a lot of people remember is when it kind of I don't know what you call that camera move, but it goes like beneath the floorboards, but kind of you know what yeah, I mean? It's it, it, like, like floating, and it just kind of goes like straight yeah. down. So you see the people mm-hmm. hiding. Um, it it sets. It sets the tone for the entire movie because, like, a lot of the stuff Waltz does, he takes like huge pipe, like it's kind of funny, but it's like obviously a heavy subject matter, so it kind of mm-hmm. gets you in the in the mood for like, all right, this is going to be very, very interesting. Um, it's it's just it's just perfect. It you, like you literally just don't want it to end. I said like in, a, in our group chat that we're in a little while ago that um that reality expectation scene in the movie Five Hundred Days of Summer would win an Oscar for best short film. Right. This would, this would too. Like this yep. is, it's such a great, just, it, it just such a, it, it's, it's the perfect opening. Um, and it's odd because the other ones I have on this list aren't similar, <laughs> similar to that at all. But I guess that's what makes Tarantino different is, is that he can kind of, uh, 
he, he can just create a world that sucks you in literally from from the first word. And the first sound of the movie is this guy just chopping a piece of wood in half. Like it's it's loud and it's it gets your attention like right away. Yep. Um love it. So good. Did so was Christoph Waltz the only person that won from that movie? Did he win screenplay or something? No, he didn't no. win. He should, probably should have won picture movie, director yeah. screenplay. <laughs> I I I really I'm kind of movie best baffled movie. as to why. Um, but, I mean everyone knew that Walt was like it was almost like um remember in, in the Dark Knight when Heath Ledger the first time not the first time he's on on camera but the first time he has that scene with like the when he's with like the mafia guys and the the magic trick I remember when I saw people were applauding in the theater um that was kind of like all right he, he's got the Oscar you kind of knew it when you saw Christoph Waltz right. and he like changes languages for the first time and then he like yeah, yeah, yeah. later speaks Italian you know what else though that's the best opening to a Tarantino movie and it might or it's the best opening to a movie ever but it's like the fifth it's like like their other Tarantino movies are one like two and three behind it and like Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction are great yeah not on my list but those are really good and then I think the um the ending to Inglorious Bastards is is awesome too one of my favorite Tarantino probably my favorite Tarantino endings when he says when they're in the woods when they're in the woods yeah, and yeah. He, he carves the spoiler alert <laughs> do you think people like <laughs> like it was I don't know maybe, maybe people get angry about that but he carves the um the last swastika and he's like so Brad Pitt's character is obviously looking at the swastika but he's looking into the camera and you know it's Tarantino saying like this might be and the last line is this might be my masterpiece yep. you know Tarantino's talking about the movie yeah. and, and I think that he really 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 likes that movie like that mm-hmm. might be when it's all said and done Tarantino might call that his, his favorite movie because it, it just seems like the most like in a weird way the most Tarantino movie like you know he's like a avid reader a history buff all that stuff and then he kind of creates his weird world it's yep. violent it's funny it just it's it's such a great movie and and the ending the beginning and ending are just just great. It's very true. All right, only downhill from here. What what yep. else do you have? Um, what if, what if they're all the same? Well, you <laughs> you just uh, I mean we're not going like one through five. Just jump nah, in, just, do whatever. Yeah, keep it play it loose. You just mentioned it. Um, Chris Nolan's The Dark Knight. Really? See, I thought about putting that on there. You know, <laughs> I, have, I have a Chris Nolan movie on here, but not The Dark Knight. Um refresh my memory it's it's all it's all the jokers it's the heist bank heist and all the guys are wearing like the clown masks yeah okay it's very uh fast-paced moving a lot of like quick cutting back and forth to the different guys who are all there's like six guys in this heist mission all wearing clown masks um it's intense fast-paced moving uh after a while they all start killing each other one by one until we're left with the final clown. Oh yeah, it's like uh like the guy told me once the job was done to kill him yeah. and then like it just kind of a chain yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just a chain reaction. And then there's like I guess the owner of the bank, he's like mm-hmm. the last man standing, he's like crawling on the ground trying to like reach his gun. Mm-hmm. Joker walks up to him, does the whole what did he say? Actually, I didn't even watch it. It was like he says whatever um, doesn't kill you just simply makes you stranger. He takes the mask off, so now you see yeah, it's yeah, the Joker. Okay, right. Um, the big reveal. Yeah. What doesn't um, what doesn't kill you makes you stranger. Yeah, yeah. And it's just such a good way to, you know, just I, kick it off. And I would I would assume that was the first scene before Heath Ledger died. But after Heath Ledger died, everyone was in that theater for one reason and one reason only. This was this was before like, I mean, was this the the fifth really huge? Like this was this was the turning point of comic book movies. I I think probably yeah. Um, because it was huge, and and Batman Begins ended with like 
Gordon and Batman on the roof, and Gordon's like, we found this, like, card, and it's like a Joker card, saying yeah. the Joker's going to be the villain. Um, and I, I think, uh, you know, going into it, everyone just expected it, and the whole, like, opening dialogue is about, why do they call him the Joker? Like, all the guys are asking, like, who's this Joker? Why do yeah. they call him the Joker? So, it brings you, like, it's, it's not also, like we're hiding yeah. the villain. It mm-hmm. brings you right into him, and yep. then, and then, yeah, it's, it's it is, it and is. Then a, you, yeah, you know what you're in for for the next, like, two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, right off the bat. Um, my Chris Nolan one opening, and, and this is sort of a trend in mine, at least for two, maybe two or three, um, the prestige. So the opening is, is Michael Caine is narrating and it's just showing stuff in like a warehouse, like looks sort of like magic props. A film is about magicians. Yep. So the first, first line of that movie, Michael Caine narrating says, are you watching closely? And obviously that's a movie that he's hinting towards the end of the movie and kind of the, the reveal, but he says like, are you watching closely? And then he starts explaining like the parts of a magic trick. And it's like the first part is called the pledge. And this is when the magician shows you something ordinary. And then it gets to like, and then the last part is the prestige. And then, so like, <laughs> and it is stupid. Like, Oh wow. They said that, you know, like the family guy thing, <laughs> like, ah, that's why it's called that. But, <laughs> but it, it, is, it is just a great opening. And I think that one of, one of like the, the, because I was trying to think what makes a good opening, and I think if it gets the audience's attention like right away, and, and I have one on this list that I think does that maybe better than any any other movie. Um, but just are you watching closely? Like it's such a it's such like a great line once you see the end of the movie and go yeah. back because mm-hmm. there's there's some twist in there, and it's like you know, look, this I'm talking to you. Are yep. you watching closely to this movie? <laughs> I think that's that's just really cool. Um, and then Christopher Nolan's just uh, not Christopher Nolan. Um, uh, uh, Michael Caine is getting, I, I think I kept saying Christopher Nolan Michael Caine is doing the narration and he has right, such yeah. like a great uh, he has such a great narrator's voice it's it's almost Morgan Freeman like but uh, yeah that's that's another solid movie but a really good opening alright should I uh, keep it going keep it going here oh man I have some weird ones oh boy I, should, I feel like I'm gonna save the I'm gonna save the weird ones for the last <laughs> here comes a porn <laughs> no <laughs> how weird okay. could it be um, I have I put uh, Saving Private Ryan yeah, that, that's that's an obvious one. I mean, it's just right off the bat. It's the uh, mm-hmm. storming the beach at yep. Normandy. Normandy, uh, in my opinion, the greatest battle scene filmed. Would you like to dispute yeah. that? No, <laughs> it's you, just so, you really uh, can't. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's interesting too because it's not it's very raw, very graphic, and I'm just always amazed. Silent. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm always impressed that he can manage that many, you can manage that many extras yeah, that is like doing that stuff. Super impressive, yeah. Because it, it, it's, I mean, that's like you watch it in like high school history class because <laughs> it's just so, so vivid and so real. Um, yeah, I don't really have too much to say about it. It's just so huge. It's probably the craziest day on set. <laughs> I, would, I would hope so. And then, I mean, you know, 1997, that came out and it's like, <laughs> actually. I've, I've sort of I think I may have told the story on the on the other podcast uh, Life's a Sport but um, I was in like high school and I had to do we are doing something about World War II and it was like you had to pick like a book a movie or something else like some piece of media that depicts war who would pick the book like when teachers ask that are they serious like who would pick a book when you watch a movie so I watch um, <laughs> so one of, one of my really all time favorite movies and certainly my favorite war movie is uh, Terrence Malick's The Thin Red Line yeah. And the opening scene of that movie, I thought about it, but I, I just, 
it really it's it's the most Terrence Malick looking thing ever. It's like the lights coming through the trees and you're in this like forest and all it is is an alligator like basically crawls off of like the land and just goes under this like swamp. Yep. And that's how it opens. And I'm like and then the next scene is like Sean Penn yelling at Jim Caviezel and it's like why why like why is that the first scene? Like what does this have to do with anything? And and I was researching the movie, getting ready for this like report I had to do and Gene Siskel's review or not his review. Um, Gene Siskel uh, with Ebert and Roper, um, or Siskel and Ebert <laughs> before, before his untimely passing. Uh, so Gene Siskel said it had something to do with like the alligator going under. It, it asked the question like, what is it at the underbelly of hate that fuels war? And I was like, wow, that's like really deep. I'm going to put this in my, in my, uh, in my little, <laughs> little story. And then the other thing he said was, um, he called it the thinking man saving private Ryan. So I'm like up there. <laughs> this is what a, what a, what a shithole of hair is. I'm up there. <laughs> like the, the, the idiots. Went, just idiots that went to that school. Uh, this guy's definitely in prison now that said it. So get up there and I'm giving my like little presentation on it. And I said, um, I said uh, like, and you know, film critic Gene Siskel calls it the thinking man saving private Ryan. And somebody just goes, that's gay. Who'd want to watch that? <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> Thank and you, high school. Co- and that concludes my presentation. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Um, yeah, Saving Private Ryan and, and The Thinner Line, actually, they were out in theaters at the exact same time, which is it's really bizarre. Um, both nominated for, for Academy Awards that year. Wow. Um, and two, two fine directors, two really good movies. Yeah. But yeah, the, the battle scene in Saving Private Ryan, I don't, I, I don't think it could be duplicated. It's yeah. just so huge. Yeah, and, that's and yeah, that's a good point. It's I just, just so that's that is what separates like the really good filmmakers. And and one of the ones that I'm going to get to w- when you think about it, it's so much more work. Like that, like Spielberg took on a huge, huge task. I'm going to talk about a Paul Thomas Anderson opening. That's just a huge task for an opening of like, it, and and even if you should we just get into it? <laughs> sure. So it's it's uh, the film Magnolia from 1999. Paul Thomas Anderson's right. Magnolia. Um, the beginning of the movie. So the movie intertwines like eight or 12 stories, um, whatever it is. And it's, it's a long movie and there's a lot of strange occurrences in the movie. And, um, the opening of the movie, he films three like vignettes of, I did a little research and they're sort of based in truth. Um, so if there's three vignettes and one is like in the 1800s, um, there was a guy who, uh, he lived in a town called Greenberry Hill. And he was put to death for murdering three men in a, in a robbery gone wrong. And the three men's name were like Matthew Green, Joe Berry, and Walter Hill. Green Berry Hill. Oh, like wow. what a weird coincidence. Yeah, and yeah. then there was another one. <laughs> there was like a blackjack dealer in like Tahoe or something. And he got in a fight with a guy um, at his table. And the next day there was wildfires in California. And they would, they like fly those planes that like scoop water out of lakes and yep. then dump them over the fires. Mm-hmm. So the blackjack dealer happened to be like a snorkeler. And the guy flying the plane was the guy who got in the fight with him. So he like, and this is all being narrated by Ricky Jay, who was like a magician, magician, and he's he's got a role in Boogie Nights, Paul Thomas Anderson's movie, maybe some other ones. But again, a really good narration. And this is all film. So these are three like way different vignettes, and he's taking the time to film all of these. Like Pat Oswalt plays the blackjack blackjack dealer. Right. So there's like there's something to it. So anyway, the the plane is flying over and scoops the scuba diver out of the water as he's scuba diving and drops him in a tree. And apparently that happened. And then there's another one. And the other one, I don't think it's true, but it's like something that law professors give um, give students to like think about. So 
Uh, there's a kid who lived in an apartment building in New York, and his parents were fighting all the time, and his mom always threatened his dad with a gun, but the gun was never loaded. So one day the kid loads the gun. Um, the parents are fighting. The kid is so depressed he wants to commit suicide, so he jumps off the roof of his building. As he's falling by their window, the mom and dad are fighting. The gun goes off and kills the kid before he falls. So when he lands, there is netting there because people were washing the windows, so he wouldn't have died if he had just jumped. So he becomes an accomplice in his own murder. It's crazy. So, yeah. so if you have ten minutes to kill, just watch the first ten minutes of Magnolia sometime you, uh, uh, on on YouTube. Fun fact for <laughs> the listeners: Joe gave me Magnolia to to borrow so that I could years. watch it. <laughs> I had it at least for a year and a half, didn't watch it, and gave it back. I'll get to it though. <laughs> uh, you don't need to now. So the point of, of all that is, all right, these are really strange things, and, and the end of the narration just says, oh, but these strange things happen all the time, and then you get into this movie that is about like these weird coincidences. So I just thought that like Paul Thomas Anderson didn't have to do that. He could have, he did not need to film all of these scenes, but he did. And it was a lot of work and probably took a lot longer and added 10 minutes to a movie that's already three hours and nine minutes long. So it's, it's really an interesting, uh, <laughs> interesting opening, but it, it gets you thinking immediately. And then you can kind of kind of grasp the, the rest of the movie after knowing that, okay, these strange things happen all the time. Yeah. All right. Maybe I'll, uh, Borrow it again. We're done. <laughs> in time. Keep in time. For a while. <laughs> Did you watch Orange County yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, you'd like it. All right. Um, what do I have here? So, yeah, I think we're going to start getting into a little bit of weird territory. Oh, boy. The next one I'm going to say is Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, I saw that. Yeah. How does it um, open? It's not. The, the whole movie is the opening. <laughs> I'll admit, I'll, uh, I, um, I like Googled like lists. Mm-hmm. Did you do that as well? No, I, I looked at I just Googled the DVDs list. I own. <laughs> nice, nice. I Googled a list, and I just made sure that the movies I picked are ones that I saw. Yeah. And Mad Max Fury, Fury Road was on there. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, uh, yeah, I forgot. I was like, how does this start? <clears throat> and it's just a still shot of him standing there, like, looking out over the desert. His back is to the camera, and he's, like, narrating, um, talking about, like, the voices in his head. And, like, the actual people in the world are also coming from him. So he's, like, running from the living and the dead. And then he hears, like, a sound off in the distance, gets in the car, drives off. It's still, like, in the static shot. Yeah. He drives off. It's just nothing for a little while. And then, like, a fleet of cars, like, fly over the camera and are chasing him. I'm picturing, like, a lizard or something. Some sort of animal? Yeah, so when he's he's standing there with his back to the camera, a lizard, like, crawls up right behind him, and he stomps it with his foot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that. Okay. But then after that, it cuts to, like, the cars chasing him through the desert, like, beautiful, like, wide shot. Mm -hmm. You just see, like, the cars, like, little ants, and there's, like, smoke. And then they, they like, hit him. He flips. They capture him. Do like the whole ritual where they mm-hmm. cut his hair and like tattoo like a number on his back. Right, and all right, right. Yeah. And then he breaks out, runs from them, is like running away. It's like almost like it reminded me a lot of like Temple of Doom, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um I mean that whole movie just looks so cool though. The entire movie. Like and you think he's gonna get yeah. away and then he doesn't, and then it like shows Mad Max Jerry Road on the screen. It's just an, That's it's like, right, it is like it's a just longer, super yeah, intense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about uh not not necessarily that one's like too long, but if a movie goes like ten minutes and then shows the title card, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I guess I kind of like it too. Yeah, I feel like I just saw something. Did Leave No Trace do that? 
I feel like it didn't. No, no, it does. It, it's Some, like one of the first shots. And something like, I just saw did like that. It dissolves onto the screen. First reform, maybe. I can't remember what it was, but I feel like something just did that. And I was like, yeah, it was first reform, and I was like, yeah, that's, that's kind of cool, actually. Kind of yeah. like that. One of my favorite title cards ever is uh, "There Will Be Blood." Yeah. So it's like a black screen. The writing's that like old English font, yep. and it just says "There Will Be Blood," but it like flashes and then goes away. Yep. It's really cool. Yeah. Very like cool that. looking. Uh, yeah, Mad Max. Um, <laughs> yeah, the whole reason I put it, I, I don't know. I like the narration. You like quickly get like mm-hmm. an idea of his character. He has like terrible PTSD. Oh. He's like running from his PTSD and like it's like him against the entire world. You get that right away. Yeah. yeah. And then it goes into like I said, just like Indiana Jones on acid for like five minutes. <laughs> cool. And and then an, another two hours of Indiana Jones on yeah. acid. <laughs> um. All right. I gave you a bastard. Just said the thin red line. Where am I? Um. Nineteen seventy four. We're gonna go back to Annie Hall. Um. I imagine that if I saw this in 1974, it would have totally blown me away. But the opening of the movie is just Woody Allen as his character, Alvy Singer, and he's just staring into the camera. He's just sitting there like a, you don't know where he is. There's just a blank backdrop behind him. And he's just talking into the camera and he says like, <clears throat> he tells two jokes that are just like two of the most like classic lines in, in, in that movie. Maybe any Woody Allen movie, the first being, uh, um, uh, two women are at a mountain resort and, uh, they're eating dinner, and the one woman says, God, the food is so terrible. And the other woman says, oh, yeah, and the portions are so small. And he says, like, that's how I feel about life. Like, it's it's full of misery and and all these horrible things, and it's over way too quickly. And then the other one is, uh, I would never want to be uh, – I would never want to belong to a club that would have somebody like me for a member. Right. So there's two, like, classic lines, and, and he didn't – they're not Woody Allen jokes. They're from, like, Freud or, or Groucho Marx, um, whoever. But he takes that, like, comedy and relates it to his life, and that's, like – I think that that's sort of a difficult thing to do with, with comedy. Um, I, I, not, not in the sense of Jerry Seinfeld, like, Oh, airline food sucks. Like, like that, <laughs> what's the deal? Like that stuff. But when you can take like a, a kind of a joke like that and then have it relate to your life. So he explains all this. And then the next thing he says is he's like, he's just talking and he's just like, Annie and I broke up and I just don't know. Like I keep going back and trying to put the pieces together. So, you know, like, okay, these people aren't ending up together. <laughs> you know that from the get go. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of an odd thing for a romantic comedy. And again, sure. the aforementioned 500 days of summer yep. does that as well. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you should know right now, this is not a love story. Um, and really, I mean, obviously 500 days of summer is biggest influence is Annie Hall and yep. nonlinear story storytelling and, and all that stuff. But, but I think that's, that's such a strong opening and, and it's such a good performance by Woody Allen. He was nominated for Best Actor for that. Yeah, he didn't win. I, I feel like he should have. It's it's a really really good performance. Yeah, He's he is really funny in that movie. Awesome. I just watched it recently. And I forgot how I forgot how funny it was. Like joke for joke, it's really yeah. really mm-hmm. funny. Yeah. That's All right, what else? Missed that Woody Allen. He's still alive. <laughs> still <laughs> ma- still just alive that, and that making one? movies. Yeah. Before I knew how like kind of weird he was. Yeah, mm-hmm. I forget, I forget about that. <laughs> Um, all right. The next one I put on here just cause I knew I could maybe get a rant out of you. If I put this one on here. Oh boy. <laughs> Nick Doors infinite playlist. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is Disney Pixar's up. up. I was gonna like, I was, I was thinking about this when we have you seen this. Have you seen it? Have, have you seen this? The first scene is like the abortion thing, right? It's like a or it's, the miscarriage. The it's a montage, montage which ends in a miscarriage yes of a of a 3d animated character i don't 
It's the most dramatic thing. They're at like a birth clinic. I saw it clinic. in theaters. I saw it in theaters. Yeah, it's. I, I remember. It's weird. He has like his hand like on her back. She like is looking down all depressed. And like in the back, it tells you that they're at a birth clinic because mm-hmm. there's like a model of like yeah. a mother in a ch- with like a baby yep. in her stomach. Like a little cartoon. <laughs> it's crazy. It, it, this is just the one thing I, I don't understand why people love Pixar so much. Why, why are those movies so well written? I, if I said it once, I said it a thousand times. If those idiots could write a Paul Thomas Anderson script or a Coen <laughs> Brothers script or a Tarantino script, they'd be doing it. They wouldn't be doing cartoons. It's the same thing. If you could write, if you could be write, write a write a novel like Cormac McCarthy, then you're not going to write where the wild things are, because you have talent. If you had talent, no, you wouldn't you wouldn't be doing fucking cartoons. I don't I don't understand it. I think they have like a formula that they know is going to work for. Oh, it's good for children. adults and kids. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's, it's, I, I I can't stand that. I, I saw. I, yeah. You don't think like a I, Lassiter has like a, you know, he wants to like break convention and do he's, like his... He's, he's a hashtag me too, right? He's done. I don't know. I thought he was. Uh, yeah, he might be. He pretty much said about... I actually That's have That's the some, only name I could think of. I have somebody on here who's actually in hot water, but for ridiculous reason, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, you don't think he has like... That that opening, the opening sequence of Up, it, it's like, it was jarring to see it. I'm with like a, my little cousin and it's like, what the... Like, what is what is this? And then you know that who's the guy who does the voice of the old man? And Asner, Asner yeah. he's like a nine eleven like government burnt took the buildings down. Like he's one of those weird weirdos. He is? Oh yeah. Oh, so I'm thinking about that the whole time. <laughs> he's like a nine eleven conspiracy theorist. I didn't know that. So at he's all. he's a weirdo. I I get I get like the fat Japanese kid in the movie. I get really depressed at like that. I just think that's sad because like every no kind of Pixar movie ever has like a parent <laughs> like. Like if, if if you just were a Martian yeah. and you came to Earth and you only had Pixar movies, you would just be like, where do, where do, where do babies come from? <laughs> like yeah. there seems to be no parents here. Um, up, I, I, totally forgettable. I just everyone remembers that scene. Everyone talks about it and how well written it is, and I just I don't know. I, I just don't get it. But I mean, that's what you get. Like Toy Story three is a, such a great written movie, and Ratatouille, like he sees his reflection in the mirror and turns around, and that's like the most brilliant piece of filmmaking ever. I just maintain if these guys could direct like Scorsese or write like the Coens, and they would do it. They wouldn't be doing kids' kids' cartoons. Watch Family Guy. Watch Rick and Morty. Watch watch. Uh, I like that show. Now remember, I remember I made fun, good, of, fun yeah. of it. Yeah, I think that show's funny. Yeah, enjoy it. Um, I, I I just don't get it. I, but is that the very? Is that how the movie opens? That That's montage? how the movie opens. Yep. You don't even see him as an old man until the end of that montage when he's. I guess the the one. Oh, yeah, the wife passes away too, and he's by himself as an old man. Yeah, I guess you can give it credit because it kind of shows you why he's a curmudgeon. Yeah. So they, yeah, yeah, they, they set it up nicely. But also, like, well, darkly. He, he's 90, so the movie came out what year? 2006 or something? No, probably later, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. 2009, 2010, 10, something like yeah, that. Like so you would figure that, like, the kid was being born in... The, the miscarriage took place in, like, 1958 or something. Like, oh, that yeah. happened all the time. Yeah. No yeah. big deal. <laughs> I mean, it just didn't need to be, it doesn't need to be in there. How about like? Well, this is what I, I asked know. for, huh? If you're gonna show that, then you should show the cartoons banging each other too for the kid. Like, it's weird. It's weird. I would much rather explain to my kid two people banging than Team than... America puppet sex scene. No, really, brilliant. I never yep. saw that. That's a uh, Trey and Matt, right? Yeah, it's yeah. funny. Those guys are just Trey and Matt. Trey and Matt. It's weird. It's weird that they were like. Now everyone's famous for like nothing. Those guys like just put a really low Man, bunch that's cartoon. A, that's a good opener too. I recommend that. What Team America? Team America? Yeah, I, I never saw that. I can't really remember is that, it is all that, that well, but it's like a stop, big, like, stop motion. What's shootout stop with the terrorists motion and animation? Team Puppet, puppetry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> even weirder. Like, on strings. <laughs> those, those guys are funny. They're, they're, they're very clever. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
up. All right, we done. We done with that. I just yeah, we're done. Get with it up. all out. We're done with that. And next up, I have the Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else? What else? What else? Um, so when I was when I was in in college, I did an internship at like a, a film distribution company, and uh, my boss there was like a forty two year old gay man, but we had like the exact same taste in, in movies. Like it was kind of odd. He was just like, see anything? Like over the weekend, I'd be like, oh, I saw like I was like I saw. It was, I just remember this so well. It was a movie, A Single Man, with Colin yeah. Firth. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh man, I love that movie. He was like, oh, I saw it too. I loved it. Like everybody, we'd had that happen yeah. like a lot. So is he? Is it like gay themes in that? Isn't is he gay? He's gay. Yeah. Okay. And he like he's like a professor, and he dates a student played by Nicholas Holt, who dated oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence, yep. one of one of the thousand. Um, I think I'm on that list actually. Uh, so anyway, one Monday I was like, I the social network could just come out, and as you see the social network, he was like, yeah. He was like, I saw like a pack. Like, see, I don't. I'm very anti like going to an opening movie on a Friday night. I don't like sitting in the theater because people just are constantly talking. And he was like, Yeah, I saw it in like a pack theater, and like it was like the chattiest crowd ever. And he's like, That movie just opened up, and everyone just shut up because the opening scene of the social network, as you remember, it's Zuckerberg talking to the girl at the bar, yeah. and the dialogue, like you can't, you can't not pay attention to it, yeah, because it's the Aaron Sorkin dialogue is like so snappy and it moves so quickly. That it's just, you really have to zone in and it explains so much as to what motivates Zuckerberg and like why he's the way he is. And you also get kind of his attitude. Like, this is the guy. Like, don't expect somebody different, like right off the bat. Mm -hmm. And then I really like the end of the movie. It ends like all this stuff happens between the scene at the bar is he's on the verge of creating what will become Facebook. But it probably is. I don't know, 10 years before the Winklevoss twins are suing him. Right. And the end of the movie is at that hearing. And he's just sitting on his laptop and he's like, ad tries to add her as a friend on Facebook and just keeps like refreshing the page to see if she, see if she accepted it. So it like, it like, whatever, what do they call it? Like the snake eating the tail thing. It yep. kind of all circles back. Yep. So I really like, like how the opening kind of sets up the ending, but it's, yeah, it's Aaron Sorkin's dialogue he just has such a good ear for probably probably better than anyone crazy and, back and forth and i hear and like, it's a risk to start a movie like that yeah just two people uh-huh. talking at, a, t- at yeah. a table yeah so you you better be a tarantino or kevin smith or an Aaron Sorkin to, to pull that off yeah do you have like an estimate of how long that goes on for that opening dialogue? it's probably only like probably like six seven minutes which actually is a lot yeah it's a lot it's like that is a lot that's <laughs> 10 so pages much, of yeah. writing and i hear and they like, talk so fast i hear david fincher is like the worst with oh they were probably there for like a month yeah, <laughs> yeah. trying to do that one scene i hear he's like a 50 take yeah guy. that's insane yeah that's that's oh, and yeah and, and uh rudy Meyer and, and jesse eisenberg really really good performances from from both of them the whole movie but but especially in that scene um yeah that that's a good it's a good opening and that that really will will quiet a crowd down for sure yes sir is it is it my time yeah you got, got another on my, one i'm on my last one i think I got one more. You do yours. I got and one it's more. It's a weird one. I got a weird one next, though. The film I'm going to go with, uh, I don't, this is, the, the topic is the best openings. This is not the best, but I have. Maybe what you enjoy the most. It's the wildest opening. We're I've definitely missing a um, million of what yeah, people would call no, the best. So yeah, these are our favorites, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I just went weird with this one. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. It is Lars von Trier's Antichrist. Do you remember that opening? <laughs> It is insane. Well, listen. <laughs> Another one where I, they uh, set up why the characters are such curmudgeon. Nah, uh, yeah. they set up why they're so just like up, seriously um, depressed. A kid dies in both, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. 
it's a, oh. it's a bad taste for me. Um, Damn. Yeah, why don't, why don't, why don't, I'll let you explain the opening to Antichrist, it, um, considering two of the three people who've seen it are in this room. So the two lead characters are uh, Willem Dafoe mm-hmm. and Charlotte Gainsbourg. Mm-hmm. Is that how you say it? I don't know. Don't care. Yeah. <laughs> she's only in his okay. movies and she's a freak. Yeah, true, true, true. I, uh, I, like I don't the think they even have names. Um, but They're called he and she. He, he and she. Yeah. Biblical, I'm assuming. Biblical. I guess. I don't know. Um, so they're the lead characters. It, the opening scene is like, well, it's not a montage. It's just a scene. But it's a, a flashback. Um, all black and white. Mm-hmm. The rest of the movie is not in black and white. It's not, not black and white like a movie from like the 40s. It's black and white like it looks really cool. Like it's really yeah, like crisp. Yeah, it's and, like... It's it, like um, What's his face that directed 300? Like, reminds me of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Zack Snyder. Snyder, yeah. 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 Um, Okay, yeah, so flashback, black and white, um, all Mm slow-mo. The frame rate is super high, I guess, Mm -hmm. if you're a film nerd. Um, So, Willem Dafoe, Charlotte Gainsbourg are having sex in the shower. Mm -hmm. Um legit close-up of the penetration oh, yeah. i oh, heard yeah. i heard they used two porn star stand-ins that's yes. how they were allowed to film that and <laughs> i don't know, i still don't know why what's the difference yeah i yeah i'm not sure and i also bet it has something to do with the slow-mo you probably can't show like live at like <laughs> like i mean if they wanted to do it why can't they just do it gasper no made that movie love which i think might not you stand-ins, but like the actors aren't real actors. Right. I, I don't know, but anyway, okay. <laughs> I was just watching um, that. It's always sunny episode where Mac and Charlie like write the movie, and they give it to Dennis to like read, and he just he just keeps talking about how we show everything. <laughs> all right, I feel like I'm butchering this. The scene is uh, that's flashback. what's happening. That's what they're doing. But flashback, something is happening. It's all in slow mo. The entire scene. They're yes. having sex in the shower. It cuts to a, they have a little boy. He's like a mm-hmm. little child, maybe like one or two. He's in his crib. Mm-hmm. It just keeps cutting back to them having sex. Then the kid in the crib. He breaks out of the crib. Cuts back to them having sex. He's like moving through the house. Mm-hmm. They can't hear a thing. They're in the shower. He makes his way to an open window. Mm-hmm. Climbs up to the open window. And goes Game of Thrones right falls, out it. <laughs> falls out of the open window. Like, Slow-mo. It's snowing outside. Yeah. It's, it's terrible to say, but it's like a beautiful, beautiful shot of him slowly falling with the snow this, out of this window. It, it, yeah. Th- I mean, it's so, it's so difficult to describe and you're doing a good job. But like the black and white makes it such a way where the snow like... The snow looks a lot cooler than right. just like a normal snowfall because the way it's so so white and the sky is like so so black. Um, yeah, it's it's a very very cool looking but very tragic, obviously uh, tragic scene. He uh, he falls. We see him land from the point of view of the window. Oh, we do. Yeah, you see him hit the ground. I'm, I'm like, like, oh, like you're <laughs> like looking out of the God. window. You just see like a little. Like, I may have looked away. Like a little. <laughs> yeah. And then it cuts to them. And that's uh, like the 50th worst thing that happens in that movie, yeah, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it is a it's brutal movie. the lightest part of the movie. Yeah. Um, part of the it, Depression tr- Trilogy, as yeah. it's called. And then it cuts to them present day at the funeral. That's how it starts. Yeah, so that's that's an opening. Um, I, it's just beautiful. It's, I mean, it's yeah, like beautifully it's, done, though. That guy, look, that guy is a very, very, he's a very good director. He's a weirdo, yeah. and he's says the wrong thing all the time, and he's 
got a million issues. Melancholy is a, a just a garbage movie. I don't know if you saw that. I did, just yeah. absolute absolute trash. Um, Nymphomaniac, the third part of the Depression trilogy. Those are actually good movies. Uh, now that um, I'm thinking about it. I don't think I've seen any of his movies except Antichrist. He he has a movie, um, Dogville with Nicole Kidman, um, that was filmed on like uh, just a bare soundstage. There's like no sets or anything, but they're like, I guess like a play. Um, and then he had a movie called breaking the waves, which is his most popular movie. And I think that's semi-normal. It's, I I believe it's about like a guy who falls in love with like a woman in a wheelchair, maybe vice versa. And I think it's normal. I've never seen that. I've only seen the depression trilogy of antichrist, uh, melancholia and nymphomaniac. Um, antichrist is worth just looking at, I guess it's such a dark, dark, I mean, they're dark movies. And then there's, antichrist it's it doesn't even have a cult following it's so bizarre like it's just such a such an out there <laughs> weird movie i don't he, yeah i don't i don't know how willem defoe agrees to that i guess he's a weirdo though but uh um my, my next one is going to sound so <laughs> like this is <laughs> when he you said you're gonna get weird i thought it was something like this because this is kind of a weird one but uh not, not really like that and and nothing nothing fancy about it it's um it is uh, the Puffy Chair, one of the Duplass brothers' first movies, mm-hmm. and um, have, have, have you seen that? I have not. So the opening scene is just a uh, Mark Mark Duplass is the star, and he's fighting with his girlfriend, played by uh, his now wife. wife like, yeah. What's what's her name? Um, yeah, it slips slips. She's on the league. It slips my memory though. Um, so their boyfriend and girlfriend, and he is telling her that him and his brother are going to visit his father for his father's birthday, um, and he doesn't invite her. So the fight, they're just eating dinner and the fight kind of starts. And, uh, then he like takes a call for work and she's just getting like anger and anger and anger. And then just like starts throwing food at him. So like, obviously he's like upset about it. So he, (laughs) it, it cuts from like that scene. And I guess this is technically not the first scene, but maybe the second scene it cuts to him and he's standing outside her window, like holding a boom box, like can say anything. Yeah. And uh, he's playing the the Death Cab for Cutie song, uh, Transatlanticism. Have yeah. you ever heard that song? Yep. So she like comes to the window. And she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, he's like, I want you to come with me. And my Peter Gabriel tape is broken or something. <laughs> so that's why like, yeah, it doesn't play like that that song from Say Anything. And then the, um, like that's, that's really a really good song that I, I like a lot. And so the, then it just kind of shows them in the car, like on this road trip uh, with like that song playing in the background. Um, the Puffy Chair is just about, Mark Duplass, his brother's like a kind of like a weirdo, a little something something off with him, and his girlfriend try to go visit his dad for his birthday and bring him this puffy chair that he found that his dad had as a kid, and they just want to want to bring it back to him. Yeah. Um, a, so Duplass brothers movie, but a but a really 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 good one um, early on for them. They have a lot of good movies. Yeah, they really do. I like those guys a lot. Yeah, TV shows. Um, Mark Duplass got in a little hot water though for his. Uh, he was like he basically got James Gunn fired. Well, <laughs> Mark Duplass did. Are you talking about the tweet? The tweets. You're talking about the tweets. Well, Mark Duplass's thing was like he was like because uh, James Gunn defended him, and then someone pulled out those old James Gunn tweets. Oh, that's right. I, I, forgot, yeah, I, didn't I mean, even, Mark like, connect Duplass those dots. I mean, he didn't get him fired, but it sparked. Yeah, the, yeah. Sparked Mark Duplass was like, like, hey, this guy Ben Shapiro is a Republican, but he's like a smart guy, and people like went nuts, and then Mark Duplass had to say like, okay, that tweet went wrong like and the only reason mark duplass apologizes for that is because 
you're not going to go to Sundance or Cannes anymore if if you're on the wrong side of the yeah. aisle in, in Hollywood. Sure, yeah. So you better uh, you better you better shape up. And yeah, that's right. James Gunn like came at him or something. Wow, wow. Uh, James Gunn. I, the first thing I said when I heard about that, I asked, "Is he was he a comedian?" Like I think comedians get away with that stuff because that's kind of what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But and and I kind of get. I guess he was sort of a comedian. I don't know. I, I don't like like it's going on in baseball a lot now. The like digging up tweets from guys who are like seventeen in like high school. <laughs> I'll just be like, oh like they just like like things that seventeen year olds say. Like I don't know, walk through <laughs> yeah. a high school hallway and they're like the ten ten worst things you ever heard in your life. And it's like you have to think that like how different are you six from seventeen to twenty three or twenty four? Like you're so different. I think James Gunn, like yeah, he said some horrible things. He was obviously making jokes because they're so outrageous. Right. And he, if he did it on stage, you would have to defend it as <laughs> okay, he's a comedian and free speech, and this is his joke. But like. I don't know. I like those movies. Like, why are we taking that away? We're take, We're not going to have, like, no one can make movies anymore. I don't know what we're going to do. Yeah. Like, what happens if, like... It's if, an interesting time. It's I don't know. Jango comes out and Tarantino... I mean, I guess he did take some flack for his use of the N-word, from mainly from Spike Lee, though. <laughs> so that doesn't really right. carry much water. But I, I don't know. I, I don't know who, who wants to make movies anymore. It's... And I forgot, like, Mark Duplass to get drugged through the bud because of that. Like, he he's always, like, producing, like, young filmmakers movies, and him and his brother are always doing doing all that all that work for, for the industry and independent film and all that stuff. So, I, I don't know. I, I I like that guy. I feel bad for him. Yeah, they're um, doing a good job. There's no I, reason uh, for him to apologize, though. I don't think they're going anywhere. I think it'll be all right. You ever see the, um, I don't know if it's still on Netflix, it was, the Dodeca Pentathlon? I have, yeah. That's, a, great. that's such a great it's movie. Awesome. It's, it's just about two brothers who, like, have this, they came up with these, like, games, and they do this pentathlon every year, but they yeah. each have some some other issues, obviously. But they, they just execute like that movie, a uh, creep. Actually, I don't. Duplass was in it, but he didn't. I think he produced it. I didn't see that one. Um, they it, it's just like the simplest ideas, and they just execute yeah. them perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Like it could go so wrong. Jeffrey Lives at Home was like kind of a mainstream movie. Oh, that's great too. Yeah. Um, I would have been more interested in just the Jason Segel character as opposed to the Susan Sarandon character, like going like her day i really didn't care about right. that yep. but ed helms and siegel like that would have been awesome if it was if it was just them but i mean they they really take simple ideas and it just just turn them into something awesome i agree is that it for openings um i wanted to do you remember i had this one on my mind and i probably should have just like tried to find the opening of it mm-hmm. um but i didn't do you remember the opening of beautiful the javier bardem movie uh because in my head, I remember it. It's like just a stat, like a static shot of his hand, where like our point of view is like laying down on the bed, looking up. He's like holding his hand up, and we're looking at his hand. And then I think like his little daughter also has her hand up, like next to his. And there's like a ring on her finger, and it's like huge on her finger. And he's telling the story about, I think it was like his father's or something. That because he's like his father is like a big theme. He like keeps seeing his father as a ghost. What a movie. what a weird weird movie that is. Yeah, that was crazy. like <laughs> like Alejandro Naruto makes that and then goes and makes his next movie is like Birdman and then The Revenant. <laughs> like it's but but Beautiful is a good movie and I think that is how it opens. Um, the the scene I remember from that is I believe the last scene and it's him and his son and it's like I think he's dead. Spoiler alert, but. They're like in the snow, and there's like a deer, and he turns into a deer. Or something. The snow, They're like in the woods, in the right? woods, but it's snow. Yeah, I thought, yeah, it was yeah. Him, I thought it was him and his dad. Oh, maybe it's his, his dad, dad is like a younger man. Oh, maybe that's it. Yeah, you're probably you're probably right. Yeah. I think that is kind of what it 
was a bad. That's another dark one. Yeah, God, those weird. heaters, those damn space heaters. I was like, the, that's like the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> that is really bad. What a, I mean, yeah, that, that, Javier Bardem though, underrated. I mean, I think he was nominated for an Oscar, but that's like that's yeah. one of the better performances you'll see. That that was really really strong. Yeah, that's a good movie. I mean. Uh, I, I, I like I, I'm glad that Inaritu gets a lot of credit for the Revenant. And oh, wait a minute, is the Revenant the opening scene when the Indians attack? That might not be the first scene. Uh, I can't think of what the first. It's scene it's is, not the. F- it's not, but it's in there, and that is like that's intense. That's awesome. Yeah, awesome. Remember we like we like went to like a screening of that, and they like. We had to wear like hard yeah, monitors. They were like, "You're here for like the study." And we're yeah. like, "Yeah." <laughs> and they, like put they like, put heart monitors on us to see. I, I guess to track like, w- I, I assume to track like it, when your heart rate really drops if you're bored or maybe I, I don't maybe. I don't know. It, that was that was an interesting. I, I don't know. We should get, get producer credits on that. Right. Um, but yeah, that, that if that was the first scene, then that's awesome. Yeah, I'm just digging it. It's trying to dig it openings now. Yeah, it, it, that I mean that that was totally crazy but um my point was his prior movies 21 grams amorius paris or amorius paris then 21 grams then Babel. those are th- you might not find a better three movies in a row from a director than that we talked about this before but i probably brought him up but those are like three what was it again uh, Babel amorius, then- amorius paris amorius paris uh 21 grams with sean penn and naomi watts what does that stand for uh, amorius love loves a bitch loves a bitch love love dogs loves a bitch i guess oh, is, uh, is Mars Paris. okay the english translation that's like three separate stories that all intertwine um Babel is like 10 stories that all intertwine that, that's a, that's a, that's a, that. that's such a good movie it's really good yeah mm-hmm. that's such a good movie um and a really good brad pitt performance too yeah a little underrated there but a really good brad pitt performance who's the woman cape on chat Kate Blanchett, and yeah. then um, uh, her name is um, the Japanese actress's name was like Rinko Kinchiri or something, and she was nominated for an Oscar for supporting actress, as was the um, the maid, like Brad Pitt's character's maid. Um, her name is her last name is like Baraza, I think I can't remember her first name, but she was also nominated. So it's yeah, that I he's all of them. I like I get all on the same levels. Like when the Coens have a new movie. When Paul Thomas Anderson has a new has a new movie, when now when Inarito has a new movie, I'm like I'm yeah. in, I'm I'm already in, I'm already there. Yep. Um, yeah, there's I, I'm sure we're missing a lot. If uh, if you have any, send us an email. Last pod, last podcast show, last pod show. <laughs> what is it? Subject to change, but it is la- last pod show. Last pod show. I actually said we can just cut this out, clean it up, and post. <laughs> um, but if we do keep the title, <laughs> then send us an email there with with some of your favorite movie openings. We'll be right back. In episode one, I, I was talking about uh, how I predicted Miles Teller would be would be such a great actor after um, seeing Rabbit Hole, and I, I just watched Rabbit Hole again recently. And what I didn't, I should not have been patting myself in the back so hard because he should have been nominated for an Oscar for that that performance. He's in it for probably fifteen minutes. I thought it was like five. It, it's incredible. It's the best work Miles Teller's ever done and ever will do. Like, it's incredible how good he is in that movie. I'm going to rec- recommend Rabbit Hole just for his performance. It's insane. Like, it, it, he's not... I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you who his character is, but you can, you'll figure it out fairly quickly. Um, but the way he plays the role, it's, it's really just incredible acting. I'm, I was not smart at all for predicting this guy would be a great actor because it's, it's, it's so obviously clear. <laughs> um, it, God, there's a scene with him and Aaron Eckhart, and it's night and day. 
It's like yeah. if, if you're in a class, an acting class, like they could just use that as like, all right, here's good acting and here's terrible acting. <laughs> like yeah. in the on the same <laughs> man, that, that guy had a he had a run. Aaron Eckhart had a run. How did he get the role of Harvey Dent? Dude, I don't know. How? I don't know. How does DiCaprio or Damon not get that? He did have a good run, didn't he, huh? He did. Now he's just nothing. Just, but Yeah, what is he ever going to do again? I don't, I don't know. He had a couple years in there, though, where it was like, <laughs> it was pretty good. But uh, yeah, Rabbit Hole is my recommendation. Uh, directed by uh, John Cameron Mitchell. Cool looking movie. Very sad movie. Um, based on a play. Uh, by David Lindsay Abair, which I believe won the Pulitzer Prize. So it's it's, it's really, really, really good movie. Miles Teller's great in it, though. All right. I'm going to make mine really quick. Oh, yeah. It is a short, but it is by... Short, short film? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it ties in. It's by the Duplass, Duplass, Duplass brothers okay. who we were just talking about. Um, it is called... I had it on my phone. One second. I think I, called... I think I know where you're going. Yeah, it's called This Is John. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole yeah. premise is just uh, Mark. He's the he's the one man actor in this, mm-hmm. uh, and he's John, and he is trying to record his answering machine <laughs> message. Yep, like hey, this is John, and then he says all this other stuff. Um, and he just slowly he like messes up the first time, keeps trying, messing up, and I think it's like. I think the movie's like 15 minutes or something. Yeah, it's it's on YouTube. You can yeah, find it's it on YouTube, YouTube now. Yeah. Uh, again, it's called This Is John. And he just keeps messing up and like slowly starts breaking down. It's it, insane. It's so, it's like funny, but so bizarre yeah. and like sad. Yeah, <laughs> it just gets like really like, yeah, oh, <laughs> this guy's not okay. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's just a really, like uh, doing a mundane thing, like breaks this guy down. Like, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, and it's one of those things where you can kind of just tell right, there's, talent here yep. like this guy knows what he's doing absolutely they won um, they won for it i believe what the, was it like a sundance a sundance oh, i didn't yeah. i didn't realize it was like I, I almost thought it was um like they just kind of it came out like after they had already become semi-famous yeah, but they, oh, it was actually like submitted, submitted wow it and they won yeah it's it's really it's it's funny it's really good really this good is John. that's a good recommendation next week martin scorsese volume Ooh. one uh we're gonna do a handful of his movies uh for for volume one, obviously, it's gonna it's gonna take maybe maybe two or three episodes to get through them all, but uh, we'll we'll, we'll hand pick uh, hand pick a couple of them and then we'll uh, we'll discuss them. Might have a guest as well. All right. So is that gonna? I think that'll do it for episode yeah. two. Um, we do not have a title yet. No, work in progress. <laughs> title of this podcast. <laughs> uh, so we're not gonna give you the social media just yet. Yeah, but we'll get to it eventually. Thanks for listening. We'll be back. Goodbye.